How's it going? And welcome to episode 49 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. And of course, if you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, please take a second to let us know what you think. I am Adam Howe. You can follow me on the Twitter at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. And I'm once again joined by Kevin Hastings, who should be followed on the Twitter himself at Hastings Kevin. Ke- Kevin, TGFBI is underway. As of today, we're recording this on Monday, the 28th, last day of February, and is underway. So luckily, we have two straight episodes where we can complain about our slow drafts. How's it going? We were talking off air about the different varieties of complaining about the slow drafts, whether it's going too slow or people are complaining that it's going too slow, which one's actually worse. But how is how is the beginning of your draft going? It's going pretty well. I'll tell you exactly where we are. We're moving along decently. I'm sure we're probably not the quickest league. Uh, I am in league 24, and we are about to end the third round. I have been able to make my three picks, picking from the five spot. And I'm actually really happy about this, Adam, because I was able to pair three guys, or do you pair three guys? I was actually <laughs> able to combine three guys that hasn't really been possible since November. I really liked back then getting a a, a power speed guy and then going closer Salvador Perez. And that hasn't been possible for a while because whichever one you take in the second isn't there in the third, but I, I was able to get Liam Hendricks and Salvador Perez after starting with Bo Bichette today. So I, I'm really happy with the start. Nice. Yeah. I also started with Bo Bichette, my first share of Bo Bichette in the uh, 13 or so odd drafts I've done so far. And I got him in the six hole. I was pretty, pretty psyched about that. I don't think I've seen him go that low in any of my drafts. I don't think I've seen him drop any lower than five, but most of the time he's usually going in the three, four spot in most of the drafts yep. I've done. So yeah, I went Bichette and then pitching man has been dropping in my league. And I don't know if this is across TGFBI. I haven't really looked at the ADP sheet that Mason ended up getting Zach Wheeler dropped down to the, that, that spot in the second round. And I was going to go closer in the third round as well. There, but here's the thing: they've all been dropping as well, with the exception of a back-to-back pick, double tap of Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader at the one-two turn. Wow! So we had that league go Hendricks in the 14th spot, Hader in the 16 or 17th spot, and so we got the pocket closers or whatever fancy name we want to come up with that one for. And so I'm pushing it, and obviously this isn't coming out until Sunday, so it'll be long gone. So I ended up going Teoscar Hernandez. We got a little push a blue jays out there and uh a little stack if you will and if you can stack in all long seat in full season fantasy base so we'll see what comes back around in the fourth yeah but it's uh tgfbi is always a blast regardless of how long it takes in between picks i'm in two other drafts at the moment anyway so it's fine yeah same got, <laughs> got, I, I was having a hard time keeping up on. today and like i said we've only done three rounds in what 10 hours or so here so yeah i was it's moving along fine for me yeah, stuff happens. Totally get it. All right, but we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit. We're gonna talk a little bit about draft prep and prepping for these drafts. March is by the time you're listening to this, we're a week into the month of March. There's still gonna be plenty of time for drafts, whether or not the season starts on time or not. Which, again, the 28th with that self-imposed deadline that Major League Baseball set is not over, and there's a couple more hours at least on the Eastern Seaboard to to get there. But 
obviously doesn't look likely. Hopefully, whatever I'm saying right now makes absolutely no sense by the time you're listening to this and there's a perfectly good deal and we're you know planning for an early April start time. But regardless, you're still going to be doing plenty of research. We're uh, going to talk a lot about how that research comes about. And to help us do that, we have a very special guest, Scott Bogman. Scott should be followed on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. And of course, he can be heard regularly on the In This League podcast network of shows covering so much stuff. Fantasy <laughs> baseball, fantasy football, college football, so much more. Make sure you're checking all of them out by following In This League pod on Twitter for updates. We're going to spend some time getting Scott's takes on how he preps for fantasy baseball season and comparing different league types, comparing some movers in ADP, because everybody loves to talk about ADP, from the too early quote, too early drafts back in October and November to late February as we're finishing up the month here. And we get set for the heavy hitting fantasy baseball drafts of March. But before we get into all that, Scott, welcome to the show, man. Uh, good to see you again. We talked at PitchCon and uh, I'm glad to, glad you can make it on. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. And thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here and talk some baseball with y'all. Appreciate it. Scott is no no rookie when it comes to <laughs> talking on the mic. <laughs> How many episodes did you say you've done? It was like 1,500 and it was a lot. Like um, a lot across all of ITL. And then I've now been working over at SportsGrid for about a year. We're coming up on a year pretty close there doing fantasy football and I will be doing fantasy baseball in the baseball season as well. Sports grid. Welsh and I do three hours sports grid every single week. I'm on CP winning edge. I've been on line star. Just so many podcasts. If you want to hear my voice, we were talking about this before. They probably could make an Alexa or Siri or whoever just of my voice. If they just took all of the podcasts I've done, I probably could be one of those services. That's the point, fact so. that you and the Welsh haven't done that yet is actually. <laughs> exactly. I don't think anybody wanted to listen to me give directions. I'd be like, it's going to be up on your right here. It's coming up, man. You better do it. You better turn right. You missed it, you idiot. Yeah, it's turn like around. It's the yeah. Waze app. Like, there's usually all those, like, the celebrities that they lend their voices to the Waze app. Do they app. really? I, I have no idea. I don't think I can It's take usually that. in conjunction with, like, promotion that they're trying to do. Like, they're trying to promote a movie so you can get, like, excellent voice to do your direction. I didn't for, know like, Waze was period. the Fortnite of the driving community <laughs> there. That's funny. Look, I'm trying to promote in this league. So, Waze, if you want some uh, random voice, I would uh, be more than happy to give directions around. I'm living in the... Montgomery, Conroe, Houston area. So I would be more than happy to get me familiar with all the roads because I never leave my house anymore. It would just be good directions of uh, in Arizona and Texas where you've lived. But then mm -hmm. as you get further away, your directions start getting like, listen, I don't know where I am. Yeah. Just, uh, Look, man, you're in Minnesota. All right. I've been there one time in my life. You better figure it out. It's snowing. You better get somewhere uh, warm real fast. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Pull over here. Get to this gas station. They got to eat. Do it. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't know how mean. we already got here, but this is what I do. I take us down weird rabbit holes. So my apologies. I've already got us off on a weird rabbit hole to uh, start this show. My bad. That's perfectly fine. All right. We'll dig our way out of it right now. We'll get into some <laughs> player discussion real quick at the top of the show, as we tend to do. We're talking about our moving targets. So I am going to I put this in the notes. We really want to focus on players on a deeper scale in in effort to kind of talk about TGFBI. TGFBI's 15 teamer. 30 rounds. So you're getting closer to the ADP of like 400 to 450 that we're looking at for these players that we might be considering for the very end of these leagues. So in the last like 25 to 30 rounds, 25 or 30. And of course, obviously these are flyers. These are guys that 
more than likely aren't going to last on your roster that long, but this is the time to take those shots. And Scott, you got a bunch of names. So I'm going to let you start us off. And I don't want you to pick all of them. Why don't you pick and choose a couple okay. of them that kind of like that kind of go together. And uh, then we'll do roundtable and we'll come back to the other ones. It's funny because this is my shorter list. I have a bigger list as well. <laughs> That's uh, one of the complaints that I've got from the Welsh. I like to list players maybe one too many times. But look, for as, in terms of flyers, I like guys that are... Uh, probably going to be starting or at least getting most of the starting time in hitters. With pitchers, I'm just looking for any type of upside generally. So in this area, I got guys like Christian Walker and Seth Beer. Now that we know that there's going to be a DH in the National League, both those guys should get ample playing time and be okay. I don't know that either one of them are going to be world beaters. We're picking around 450. And we were instructed here to only have guys that are 400 or below in ADP. Walker's at 409, Seth Beer's at 536. So these guys are coming basically free. Maybe uh, Christian Walker, not as free. He's a couple pennies. But uh, I like those guys since we've had that announced. And then for pitchers, it's guys like Grayson Rodriguez, who's probably not going to start in the rotation, but might work his way up. Baltimore's pretty bad. They need some pitching at some point at some time. Paulo Espino for Washington, a guy that's in the 600s who might crack the opening day rotation. Probably not, but maybe. And then just like dart throws on closers. Obviously, your dart throws are much better if we have everybody signed and we're going into spring training now. We don't have that right now. So guys like Pierce Johnson, I know on roster resource, he's going to be the closer for San Diego. Nobody believes that. Not a single person but there are plenty of times where we don't believe X, Y, or Z is going to end up being the closer for a team, and they do. So uh, a guy like him, Jose Alvarado's in the mix for Philly as well. I think I left a couple guys off that list. I hit most of them, but I try to do it quick. So th- those are the guy- kind of guys that I like. Yeah, I've been wanting to put I've been wanting to put Grayson Rodriguez and Rosny Contreras of, of the Pirates on this list for a couple episodes now. And I have a really hard time if I'm going to stash prospects. And one of my guys I'm going to talk about is prospect that might be worth stashing. But I have a hard time doing it with pitchers, especially with Grayson Rodriguez, who's not on the 40-man roster right now. And so obviously he has that kind of a holdup where they have that ability to hold him back a little bit longer without having to explain right. it, as opposed to Adley Rutschman, who obviously is ready to go. He also not but that's the problem. Roster, but with most of those minor league guys, especially guys on bad teams, right? Because it's there's no one really in front of you, but they also have no reason to bring you up because they're not good. So it's a double-edged sword. And the other way around is why would we bring you up to be a platoon player when you're supposed to be very good? So you have it both ways with minor leaders. That's why no one's drafting them until post 400. So yeah, I mean, I think the argument too on pitcher side is that pitchers only have so many bullets in the gun. And so if you're that good, like a Grayson Rodriguez, you're only going to get so many bullets. It's like, if you hold him back, he's still going to use those bullets in the minor league. You might as well use him in the major league and get him that right. kind of experience so that when your window is open, he's in his prime. He's not like he's already gotten used to the major league hitting. So I can see him coming up for sure. And I think that it's a valid flyer. I think he fits into the same mold as the prospect I'm going to talk about, Alec Thomas, where if I pick up, if I were to grab Grayson Rodriguez at the very beginning, at the end of my draft, I'm also not going to have a problem dropping him early right. if I need that spot, especially in an NFBC where you don't have IL spots, you're going to be stashing both prospects and injured guys. And if I drop Grayson Rodriguez, I'm also not going to be worried. He's going to be picked up right away. 
by somebody else. And now he's in the pool. He he was drafted, so you can pick him up again at a low dollar amount um, as opposed to waiting for him to come up through free agency and then get you know, Fabapalooza out of the water. <laughs> just waste all your fab on him. So I, th- I think those are good call-outs. So I alluded to uh, Alec Thomas is the guy I want to talk about. And Bogman, I wanted to talk to you about him specifically, obviously, as the resident Arizona fan here. I only like the idea of picking up Alec Thomas as a flyer if I don't have any other stashes. If I've already drafted Riley Green, if I already drafted Spencer Torkelson even at a different position, I'm probably not going to be going after Alec Thomas. But if I haven't, quote, used that you know stash spot that I've figuratively put on my roster, Alec Thomas could... I, I see Alec Thomas as being the Jaron Duran of next year's Fabapalooza. Like he, that level, like he's going to come up at a certain time. People are going to be excited enough to spend a lot of money on him because he has the speed, he has the hit tool, and he's shown that he can carry those two tools up levels as he's continued to do. My question though, is, that, is there a spot for him? He is, if I'm not mistaken, he is on the 40 man roster and I'll double check that as you talk, but is there a spot for him in the outfield, especially now that, like you mentioned, now that there is a DH spot to move Seth Beer probably to a full-time DH role, Christian Walker more likely at the first base, but you have Pavin Smith, obviously you have Varsho out there as well. Do you see an opportunity that may come up because of injury or lack of ability on the remaining <laughs> outfielders as the Diamondbacks fan. How valid is this Is this pickup? Yeah, it's been rough to be a D-backs <laughs> fan pretty recently here. Yeah, look, definitely. There's definitely opportunity for him. Dalton Varsho's slated to play center, not the guy that you really want playing center. Not too many Craig Biggio's guys that could play catcher in center field. So it's not something you really want. You'd rather move him to a corner, but they have uh, good corners. P- Peralta is aging rapidly. I love Peralta. He's one of my favorite Diamondbacks of all time. But if he became a defensive replacement, I don't think anybody would be that shocked. In the other spot, like you said, Paven Smith and Jordan platooning that role. I don't think Alec Thomas is on the 40 man, at least according to roster resource. I don't think he's on. Yeah, that's where I get all my info too. So I'm going to go with that. I would check the websites, but who knows? Do they even have the player names on there? I haven't even looked at the websites (laughs) anyway. But yeah, Alec Thomas definitely has a a path to playing time. This team is bad. So you could see a guy getting traded. Anybody gets hurt, he could get called up. And the guys at the end of the 40 man, like Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they can get cut without issue. It would not be a surprise. I think maybe even going in, Dimebacks might have 38 guys on their 40-man roster going in anyway. Maybe not when they sign the other guy you want to talk about. But yeah, Thomas definitely has playing time. A little bit of a power-speed combo guy. Okay, average, not great. And like you said, in terms of drafting a guy that's definitely not starting on the roster, you said maybe one spot for your team. So you got to think in your league, maybe... 15 of those are gone if you have a 15-man league. So he's at the bottom end. He's probably after the top 10 of those guys that you would grab and stash. He's probably in that 11 to 20 range, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, like um, I said with Grayson Rodriguez, like he he's a guy that I might draft at the end of a TGFBI draft and then drop him two weeks in and then right. just watch him, knowing that he is in the pool, that I can pick him back up later if I think something might be happening and hopefully get him a week early or, or, or strike gold in that way. Yeah, and, and that's it's also something to do if you're struggling a little bit, but you pick up some of those guys and 
see if they're going to come up because they could fill a hole while someone else is injured. Uh, no injury spots in NFBC, which is a, l- a little bit rough, especially with COVID going around. But it is what it is. You got to do, got to do what you got to do with those spots. So most of the time, I like to keep active players because there's been injuries and COVID going around. But uh, who knows if they're even going to be testing for COVID by the time we get to the actual season starting. The NFL just basically quit. They said, okay, if you have COVID (laughs) once in the last six weeks, we won't test you for another three months or whatever it was to get the playoffs in. So who knows if they're going to be tested. You should be fine. Yeah, Yeah. you'll all be fine. Um, You'll be okay. All right, we'll get to my other guy in a second. Kevin, who's the guy that you might be targeting at the end of a GFBI style league? This is a guy. This is crazy. I've seen... The, this guy drafted anywhere from the, the 200s recently to the 600s because we have absolutely no idea what's going on. Trevor Rosenthal had his surgery last May. The last update I can find anywhere on where he's sitting with his injury was in September. And here we are. It'll be March as this episode airs. And we still have no idea how he's doing in his recovery. So he's perfect for this type of situation. Scott brought it up closers speculative closers with the last couple picks they don't get the job and we've talked about it on several episodes throughout the offseason it's a good way to go you have no problem dropping them if they don't get the job and but now we're talking past a 450 range most of those guys are 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 gone but trevor rosenthal in many instances is available on average his his adp over the, the month of february at 472 the last time we saw him he had a 190 era and over 14k per nine so yeah, I look I, like we talk about the uh, speculative closers a lot. And I think Rosenthal is it's exactly what that is, whether it's that or I, I usually use Rich Rodriguez. I picked Rich Rodriguez as the final pick in our little mock TGFBI mock draft over at Pitcher List just because there's a good chance he gets signed and he gets signed at a place that doesn't have a closer or has a very murky closer situation and he takes it in such a way where th- the team sees the value of him and then trades him just like Pittsburgh just did. But I think he has two years control before, or two years of arbitration before he, so if he signed up for one year, obviously the team has control over him for another year through arbitration as things stand right now, at least. And Rosenthal is a free agent, even though he never pitched for Oakland. (laughs) That was a one-year deal. So he's a free agent. (laughs) And and (laughs) so in this past two, three months now where we haven't seen any injury news on guys, what I'll really be watching for uh, once we start getting things happening again is once he has a couple of workouts, who signs him, right? Yeah. If it's somebody like Texas, we know they, they, they'll probably be after a closer or back to San Diego. We just talked about Pierce Johnson. If, if a team like that that we know is interested or can use a closer signs him, then I'm going to assume his workouts went well and be good to go. Yeah, and the beauty is this is the time to do it. This is the time to draft them. And if you're drafting them in late March when he's already signed, or he's already shown something in spring training as well, not only with workouts, but actually being on the mound, then he's either price goes way up or he's not draftable. Um, 259 to 610 range just this month <laughs> in ADP. Oh, Lordy. Well, that's range. something to look at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to get back to my my other guy over in Arizona, as Scott alluded to. And this is just, honestly, this is just a fun pick. 
And it really has more to do with the fact that it's fun to pick a pitcher in Arizona right now because there's so many opportunities to get into that rotation. (laughs) Obviously, with new pitching coach, as we talked about last week, it's fun to see. So I'm talking about Dan Straley, who in D.C.'s this month um, or in the month of February going around ADP of 567. So he is literally just picking the wind. He's been picked. He has not been picked in any online championships. So 12 teamers on NFBC with Fab. And he has not been picked in any of the main event qualifiers. So those are the 15 teamers as well. There's only been five of those drafts. but So he's not on really a lot of radars. What I like about him is that it's what's fun about him is that he's not obviously besides the success he saw in the KBO in the last two years and the fact that he signed a minor league con- uh, contract with Arizona. He's as Alex fast pointed out a couple of weeks ago or a while ago on Twitter, he's not on the 40 man. He's actually eligible to be picked up in the rule five draft. If there ends up being a rule five draft this year <laughs> after the lockout ends. So one of, you know, two things is going to happen. He's either going to get moved to the Arizona 40-man roster. I'm assuming if they're going to have a Rule 5 draft, they're going to allow teams to make adjustments to their 40-man roster before that happens. Or he's going to get picked up almost guaranteed, and then he's going to be guaranteed a roster spot on a major league roster. So I think it's a pretty strong guarantee that he's going to be a major league pitcher next year. And the workload that he put in the KBO, regardless of like even the production that was very strong. And so if you're looking for volume that you can take a flyer on, and if he shows something, obviously with the new new coaching that he's going to get in Arizona, and he can keep the strikeout rate up that I don't think anybody really expects to see back in the in major league baseball that we saw in the kbo but if he can at least bring it up from where it was before he's going to be in good shape to volume his way into decent amount of you know strikeouts maybe not the wins obviously we're in arizona sorry scott but (laughs) he he's shown a lot of promise and, and a lot of the ability to adapt to obviously being in the kbo and i like to see what he can do in arizona what I'd like to see is where the schedule is going to start because if the season actually starts on time or at least in early April, I don't love Arizona's schedule <laughs> in April. There's a not to like there, but if they're if we if they cut out a month, which is what Major League Baseball says they are willing to do, their their May schedule is pretty good. And Major League Baseball already said that they're not going to redo the schedule. They're literally just okay. going to cut off days, which is also ridiculous based on how many games you might be playing against your division opponents and what have you. But if they do that, they've got Arizona, a lot of those got, Colorado, LA, San Francisco, San Diego games cut. Is that yeah, what it is? A lot of those, that's the April games. And then if they start in May, they'd be starting against the Marlins. They'd be hosting Colorado. So Colorado, you know, Rocky Road. They get Miami right after that. They get the Cubs right after that. They do have to face the Dodgers, but then they get the Cubs right after that. And sorry, Kevin, they also get your Royals um, right after that. So that schedule looks pretty good. So if I can hold on to Arizona pitchers for the month of April on my bench to see what they could do with a really tough schedule, it's nice to, nice to know that they have not so much a cakewalk because as Bogman, as you said, Arizona is not going to exactly have their back <laughs> offensively, but at least they're going to be in, in a better position to at least help your ratios and what have you. Yeah, Straley, I don't know. I'm just not 100% salt on, right? The level of the KBO is much further down than major league baseball it's still very good and they're playing great baseball over there and it's fun to watch but i think i was reading this article on australia and velo went down in the kbo but his rpms went up and the ball is a little bit tackier in the kbo as well there's like a bunch of little factors that are not good for australia coming back over 
I hope I'm completely wrong, but this is why he was free from the Diamondbacks assigned to a spring training invitee. You know what I mean? It's because nobody else wanted him either. So uh, there is upside, but I think you can say there's upside on anyone you're picking post 500, right? So of course there's nothing but upside there because they're free. If your investment is a penny, if they give you back two pennies, you've won. So it's a maybe, but he's not a guy that's really like on my radar. So So let me ask you this then. Who's more likely to crack the Arizona rotation? Caleb Smith, one of the very, I didn't realize, like one of only two lefties in the bullpen, or or Dan Straley. I I think it might be Mr. Outside Hire, as Michael Scott would say, (laughs) just somebody else. But I would probably say Caleb Smith has, I just think he has better stuff than Straley. Yeah, it seems like there's an opportunity for somebody to jump in. This would be his, obviously, he'll benefit even more so than Straley from Strom's pitching acumen, I think, in that situation. All right, so let's grab uh, the last couple guys that you might that you left off your list, Scott, and l- let's talk a little bit about them. Who'd you leave off? Uh, Robbie Cano. He's going at four sixty-five. Probably going to be platooning, but you know they did quit testing for steroids for a little bit. He so. hit a triple in the in the Dominican League. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. No, see, there you go. He hit a triple, so he should be fine. Everyone, he's <laughs> he hit a okay because the guy. Missed the ball. No, it's because he's got wheels. It's because of that speed. Robbie Cano, like one of the few guys that's older than me and in baseball still, which I don't know if that's true. We're probably pretty close. But uh, I think Elvis Andrus, 537. These guys, once again, these guys are free. It's not like I love Elvis Andrus or his makeup, but he's hitting. I think he slated to hit number two for the A's right now. Okay. Didi Gregorius is going around 400. I've always liked Didi. Jerks and Profar is hitting low in the lineup for San Diego, but part the bigger end of a platoon in a good lineup as well. So those are the guys that I highlighted as pretty much free players that I like that are slated to be doing something when the season starts outside. I think everybody except Grayson Rodriguez, according to roster resource. And once again, still a lot of free agents to be signed. So they could, all these guys could easily get pushed off their role right now. But as it stands right now, they got a little something going for them. Yeah, I think Elvis Andrews, the one that stands out the most for me there. I've got him a couple places in the draft and holds that I've done just because you don't have no idea what that A's roster is going to look like by the time opening day rolls around. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he may be untradeable. So I'm pretty yeah. sure he'll get plenty of playing time and they might not be great. But at least he has a little bit of speed left in him. And if he's going to be at the top of the lineup, regardless who's around him, he may have opportunity (laughs) to run around the bases and bring his stock up. So by the time the trade deadline comes around, maybe he is tradable once again. So I I like that call out. And as Kevin likes to mention, like the A's have a wonderful start of the schedule. Now, they have a lot of games. If there are a lot of games, they (laughs) have them. We'll go with that. All right, now I think it's time to talk about the ways that we, which we do prepare for these March draft season because they're still going to happen and how we account for swings in draft market. But before we do that, we're going to take this quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. And as I said, we are going to talk a little bit about how we prepare for drafts, especially the major draft season, whether you're doing two drafts at a time or 10 drafts at a time, whether you're doing slow drafts, live drafts, auctions, what have you. So Scott, let me start with you though, real quick. What is your format of choice? What are you typically playing in when you are doing your quote favorite leagues? You can tell me how many leagues you're in. It's head to head. Roto leagues are for crybabies. Everybody knows that. So that's what I've said for years and years. I don't know. I grew up playing head to head with my buddies, right? So 12 man head to head, you play a weekly format. It's categories, not points. And uh, you get to talk a little smack with your buddies. I prefer head to head. I also think having the playoffs while it is not fair, right? And the best team doesn't always win. I understand that. That reflects baseball pretty well. And we're trying to mirror. It's not a simulation. It's not the exact same. We don't have like pickoffs and caught stealing in our categories or anything like that. There's no catch framing or anything, but we're trying to mirror it a little bit. So that's how real life works, too. If somebody goes down for the best team, their best player goes down, they're going to take a hit. It happens. So I prefer I prefer head to head because I enjoy the playoffs more than anything. I love head to head when I know the majority of the people in the league beforehand. That's you know what? That's a big factor. And that is more than fair. So if I'm joining a league like I love playing NFBC because I can just jump into a roto league and I don't need to know everybody that's in the league. I'm also- and NFBC is also you're playing for probably real money. So <laughs> at that point, you just want to win. You just want to win. So I understand roto in that context of it's not just you with your jerk buddies from high school. It's other people that are trying to win money. So that I get, it's more fair, it's more level, all of that stuff. But just for the love of the game, as they would say, head to head so I can smack talk my buddies. Yeah, my dynasty league from 2001 has been head to head on Yahoo category. Same exact thing. And it's awesome. We track all the results of all the playoffs. We we have historical data on everything and we went all out and... It's amazing because we all have Twitter handles for all our teams and we talk smack, <laughs> like you said, and, and what have you. And it brings a different aspect to the game rather than just the game itself. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. The game. Yeah. So I, I agree with you on in that aspect, especially if I know, like, in all of our pitcher list staff leagues are all head to head as well. Yeah. But again, we all know each other. Like, yep. it's all fun. And, or if you don't know them, you forces you, you to get, get to know, know them. them. Yeah. Especially so when I you like beat them nine to one, you, you just be like, what happened here, bud? What's going on here? You all right? Everything okay? Kevin, I think we generally talk a lot about Roto on the show and we focus a lot of our attention there. How easy do you think it is to translate what we talk about or what the majority, I think, of of fantasy baseball podcasts talk about into other formats, whether it's points, which nobody talks about because as we've said, so many there's so many different varieties of points leagues and they're so flexible as far as what the settings couldn't be and how do you think what advice can you give to people about translating what we have to 
talk about with player uh, player evaluations and strategy when you're doing anything but a rotor league, whether you're doing a head-to-head league or whether you're doing a best ball league or what have you. I, I think it's pretty simple and it's we bring it up quite often here on the show, especially when we talk about different formats, whether it be roto or whether it be points or whether it be head-to-head. Run your league settings through the auction calculator on fan graphs with the projections of your choice. There's about six of them there and see where everybody comes out. It's it's that simple. Things translate pretty easily when you do that. And it's pretty eye-opening sometimes. We've been playing fantasy, but I've been playing for over 20 years. I play in head-to-head. I play in points. I play in roto. I prefer roto, but it's... I play in all of these leagues, and when I am doing a league or looking at a draft that I've been concentrating on other formats recently, so I need to get a fresh look, I'm shocked sometimes at what I see. As we say all the time, just always just run it through a calculator. And and other sites have, have different ways to do that too, all kinds of different cheat sheets that you can put your own league settings in. So it, it I think it's pretty easy to translate as long as you take just the couple of minutes to do that yeah obviously know the rules of your league right whether it's the platform rules or your league constitution if you're joining somebody else's league that's been around for a long time obviously you need to know what those rules are in order to win (laughs) and also in order in in my case as my as most of my friends will say you need to know the rules so you know how to take advantage of the rules (laughs) i'm usually the one that finds the loopholes and we create new rules to fix the loopholes that I've found. So they have um, so the rules have your piece. name on them. Then. Yeah. <laughs> this is another the Adam, Adam rule. Yeah. Yeah. Another Adam rule. <laughs> There's at least one or two of those for sure. But Scott, you, you talked about on, you talked about earlier and I, I've actually heard you say the opposite about how many other podcasts you listen to or how many other people you listen to in general off air. You're talking about how you listen to a lot of content. I've heard you on air say, or maybe it was just in a PitchCon presentation that you try not to listen to a lot of content or at least fantasy baseball content because obviously you guys are doing your thing over at right. this league and you want to you know create your own content that you know is going to be genuine and you're not like... I don't want to rehash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I'll get into that mode, dude. And I think a, a lot of people will. If you're listening to a bunch of stuff and everybody's talking about the same thing, you then want to give your take on it. But... Sometimes you don't have to do that. They're hearing it from other places, especially if it's everywhere else and you've heard it from everybody. So yeah, I like to like to try to not listen to as much stuff as I used to. I'll still listen to stuff, but not as much as I used to where I used to listen to every podcast I possibly can all day long, read every article, all of that stuff. I feel like it can inset my brain and then I'm saying stuff that other people said instead of doing the legwork myself. Or you're succumbing to group think and, and like, sure. like if 50 other people say that this is true, it must be true type of thing. So yeah. That never happens on the internet. So that's <laughs> I just made that up. How do you balance that then? And how do you balance doing your own research as I use my air quotes on audio, my audio air quotes versus, you know, listening to other, you know, quote experts in the field that we're all we're all in. What I like to do is make my rankings and as I'm working on them, I'm very deliberate in my rankings. So I go and I look, I make my first initial set and then I compare it to ECR and fantasy pros or like when Nick is putting out his top 200, I'll look at his list versus my pictures of God, who is Nick way higher on than I am. And then I'll 
then when I see a guy like that, I'll try to find an article, a tweet, so why is this guy moving up so much uh, further than where I had him initially and try to find it. And sometimes just doing your normal research, like this year, I on my page that I make all of my rankings on and I made it available for our subscribers over on our ITL Patreon. I put the link for fan graphs, baseball reference and baseball savant for every player right next to their name. So if I'm moving a guy up or down and I'm like, why am I moving him? Do I need to look at something? Boom. I just click on it right there. So when I'm doing the legwork to put that together, I saw a lot of savant pages, right? So I'm like, wow, this one looks uh, frosty here. This one's not so hot. Maybe this I need to move this guy up or down. This one looks the human torch is on it. So maybe I need to move this guy up. So there's little things like that as well. But also, I like to compare myself and see who I'm crazy high, crazy low on. And even it can work in the reverse too. All right, everybody has X at a borderline first, second round pick. If I'm deciding if he's a first or second round or whatever round, fifth or sixth round, however it works, what is the little factor? And I'll go and look up an article on this guy, uh, a tweet on plug his name into Twitter. It's not all my research. Obviously, I'm using other resources most of the time, like everybody is in the industry. I'm not Alex Chamberlain. I'm not making up my own stats and having them become world famous. I'm not that smart. I'm the funny guy with one liners, but I've also played for a very long time. So I'm very experienced too. And I like to, I, I like to work it that way more than going off a base list and then adjusting it, small adjustments. I like to make one big ass adjustment over a month and a half. And then that's what I'm, I'm doing. Obviously tons of stuff is going to move this year because so many guys are still on sign and it's going to change so many jobs once we get this labor agreement done and we're ready. And it's going to be in a short amount of time. So this will probably be the most adjustments I ever make right before the season starts within that last month. But yeah, that's how I like to make my list and approach doing my research and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's that pretty much nails how I typically will do my at least my redraft research where mm-hmm. I'll put up my own I'll put up my own list in my either in my head or on my own spreadsheets and then comparing the very the big outliers. Ariel Cohen was on the show a couple of weeks ago and he said the same thing about projections. You're looking at if you're comparing three or four different projections, look at the ones that are outliers and why is that? Right. Three of these projections think this guy's gonna hit thirty home runs, but this one thinks he might, he's gonna hit forty. Why? Like, why is that the case? Or maybe I have to question that player a little bit more. And I'll do the same thing with my own rankings compared to other, you know, professionals that are out there publishing. But when it comes to, I'll be honest, like when it comes to my minor league rankings, if I'm doing my dynasty rankings, I'm listening to a bunch of different, I'm listening and reading. I'm asking the Welsh. On the well, obviously league, you have yeah. an inside yeah. Yes, I, I'll, I'll just get them on the phone. So. <laughs> but I'm the one, I'll be, I'll take seven different lists and I'll aggregate yeah. them together to create an average. I might weight one or two differently based on the success rate that I've seen personally and and use that, but I'm not going that deep. Like I'm not doing my own research when it comes to scouting players. I think that there's a very strong level of knowing where your limitations are yeah. in your research and knowing you can't where- act like a scout when you're not a scout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And whether you just know, Hey, I can like Nick Pollock will say this all the time. Like he, he knows that he's gonna, he's really good at finding pitchers on the wire throughout the season. And so he doesn't want to have to worry about hitters. Like he just wants to get the hitters. He knows he can trust and not have to find them. And so he knows that's his limitation in, to, to an extent. I think he probably, you know, doesn't give himself enough credit. Obviously. Sure. But 
like knowing what your limitations are. Kevin, do you have any other specific tricks that you go when you're throughout throughout the pre-draft season as you're trying to weed out who to listen to and what to listen for? No, I agree with everything both of you have said. I I start early. We talk about that quite often. I start drafting before the previous season is over, typically, at least (laughs) one in there. And the first one is really a lot of feel, uh, uh, unless you think a situation is going to be different than the season that is ending for a player. It it really gets going for me when Steamer comes out a little earlier every year. Seems I I think we had Steamer before the end of October this season. This past year, 2023 projections just came out. Yeah, exactly. We get them a little earlier. First thing I do with that is transfer it to my own spreadsheet so I can tweet things and I start tweaking plate appearances. That's the first thing I do when I get steamer and and then resort everything. And as other projections come out, start comparing them. It's funny what you were saying about, about scouts. I actually, during the pandemic, did the online version of the baseball bureau scout school. Oh, that's awesome. That's that was smart. And very smart. It was really cool and I learned a lot. I still don't know what I'm looking at <laughs> when I'm looking at players. So uh, right. I, I can look at the numbers. I can look at spreadsheets. I'm still listening to the Welsh and Eric Cross and James Anderson when it comes to which of these guys are good. Yeah, that's probably fair. Now, Kevin, you talked about how we're doing drafts early on, whether you're starting before the season ends or what have you. But then, Scott, I wanted to talk to you about the idea of mock drafts because I know you guys do a lot of mock drafts oh, yeah. over at, in this league. You talk about them on air. Better start I mean, that season. I'm yeah. Tired of editing those. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Let's get it done. Let's Let's get this labor so agreement done. Do some real drafts so I don't have to edit these mock drafts right. episodes anymore. But I think the I think you hear a lot of people talk about how they won't do mock drafts because they just don't find them useful. Whether people stop caring at the end of the draft or they start doing stuff that they wouldn't normally do in a draft that means something to them, whether there's money or not on the table doesn't matter. If it's a draft that in a league that you care about, like you're gonna draft the way you're gonna draft. But in a mock draft, it's an opportunity for I think for a lot of people to do things that they wouldn't normally do, just to see how it works out. Now. That's why I did 10 drafts before the end of January. <laughs> For a lot, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. There were definitely some drafts where I'm like, I'm going to throw some stuff at the at the wall and see how it works out. And I think that's what how a lot of people see mock drafts. But like, how did you guys, how have your mock drafts been going? And obviously you're doing them with, with people that you guys know in the army right. and what have you. And so you obviously have some kind of connection to the people doing it. You're not just like putting up a public mock and just getting randos in there. Um, yeah. Year one, when we started yeah. and we didn't have the army, we weren't on Patreon yet. It was a lot of randos who would take whoever clue green in the first round to screw up the entire draft because they knew they could and not so much fun. Those things were, but yeah, as you move more towards having our Patreon and stuff and being able to fill these up fairly quickly. Yeah. These guys, they don't take it all the way seriously. Sometimes they're going to try. It's a mock draft. They're going to try. I'm going to do pocket aces here. I'm going to try taking X, Y, or Z in the middle of the first instead of who I would normally take. So some they'll try something a little different. The thing that I think is most useful out of those mock drafts is number one, to see when the when we do things that we normally wouldn't do. And if you like that team or if you go, oh, God, this is why I don't do this because I 
hate the way this team looks. And you know, so you don't have to live in regret, right? You can go, all right, I've tried this strategy from as many spots as I can stomach, and I still hate it. So I know that's not something I'm going to do. Or I'm going to take closers early because I usually wait on the bargains, which is something that's been happening more and more this year as these back-end closer jobs are not settled. So those Liam Hendricks, Josh Haters, Chapman, Class A, Iglesias, all these guys are getting pushed higher up, I feel like, than normal because I'm usually the guy taking the clothes. So I'm going, what the hell are you guys doing taking all these clothes? This is what I do. <laughs> and so I think all of that, but I think the biggest thing that we take out of those mock drafts, and it's something that might be overlooked a little bit is, and this is, I was grinning, Kevin, when you were talking about some eye-rolling lists that you've seen. It Have you all been in ESPN's draft room <laughs> yet this year? It is Cockroft's Points League Rankings. Yes. For any draft you're in, for a roto draft, for and it's not on him, obviously. He's put up his other rankings. They're just only they're just using the same rankings in every Robbie format. Ray is 15, yeah. dude. Trey Turner's 16. This yep. is what they're this is what happens when you're in the draft room. I think that has been the biggest thing that we've pulled away from these drafts. In this is the show that we do annually called Ranks Analysis, where we look at Yahoo, ESPN, and Fantrax and see where the big differences lie in these players. And we're going to do a new one this week that I just put um, the sheet together for called ADP analysis because obviously the ADPs are a little different. Adalberto Modesty is 321 on ESPN if you're in the room right now because he strikes out a lot and he doesn't hit for power. So he's real low on ESPN's points rankings, which makes sense maybe in a points league. But if you're doing Roto, he's still 321. Oh, I sure. Think yeah, his- we just, like I said, we just did a, T- we did two TGFBI mock drafts in uh, in the Pitcherless Discord. And we use Clicky Draft for all of our non actual league drafts or off offline drafts and mm-hmm. obviously the rankings there are i, I don't know where they get that it. might just be alphabetical yeah. right <laughs> uh, honestly yahoo did that for yeah. idps for years and i think they might still do it you might have to switch by projected points uh to do idp drafts and stuff like that for fantasy football so i think that is one of the big the biggest thing that we pull away is just finding these guys that are buried in these systems or guys that are ranked way too high that are going to be drafted too high. So just let somebody else take them because they're too high in X, Y, or Z system. And it's different for TGFBI. Obviously TGFBI is on NFBC and everyone's a shark in NFBC, but for normal, your average listener, you're playing with a group of your friends. They're not going to do as much research as you do going in. So they're not going to know these guys that are buried or too expensive or whatever. So I think those are little things that I like to, uh, point out in those mock drafts. Yeah, I think that the, to your point, too expensive. I think those are the ones that stand out the most. It's, oh, this guy is ranked at this rate. I have to pick him here. Man, no, I love I Robbie mean, Ray. Like you said, the ESPN Lord, rankings are point rankings. If you're in a head-to-head league on ESPN, those rankings don't, they don't help you at they, all. They just can't help you. And look, uh, Mondesi is going, his ADP in ESPN leagues is in the 200 still right. because out of sight, out of mind. They don't see him on the screen for the first 10 rounds. So they're not taking him. And then they somebody will go, oh, did Mondesi go yet? That's how it works. If I can, and I know not everybody has time for this, I love to preload my own draft list into anything. So that way I go, all right, I know that my guys are going to come up, right? When I'm doing that, my guys are going to come up. It's just a smart thing to do. And going through mock drafts, it'll just tell you if you think you can get X, Y, and Z and you've done four mock drafts and you can't do it in any draft, you're probably not going to be able to do it in your real draft. If it happens, great, but don't count on it. Yeah. What it really makes you do, especially with us doing the 30-second 
clocks, there is no panic for me when I get into a real mock ever. If it's two minutes, it feels like it's an hour and a half for me because I'm used to those 30 second picks, <laughs> rapid fire. Let's go. Let's get it done. And that can be a little bit much for people. I understand that we, we do that for time for the content, but it definitely, it makes me. So when I get into a normal draft with the, if it's a minute and a half for picks, you might as well just forget it. I'm just, yeah, I'll get bored. Uh, I'm watching TV too. I have more than enough time to figure this out. So yeah, I think that's another thing that helps you not get that draft room or draft day panic. Have you seen any major, I don't know, differences or like trends between the different mocks that you've done? Like you've done a, a bunch of different formats so far, whether it's ESPN or Yahoo or the style of league. Have you seen any trends through the mock drafts that you put together or are you not paying attention to that because you're too busy editing all the episodes? <laughs> <laughs> no, we've seen trends. Power hitters are expensive on Yahoo. In fan tracks, younger players are more expensive because their slant is obviously a way more dynasty players than any other site does. So young players go higher in fan tracks, therefore are listed higher in ADP. And almost everyone is looking at ADP on fan tracks and ESPN is nuts. So that's <laughs> the things that we have noticed so far. ESPN is absolutely crazy. And the others are somewhat normal. Starting pitching, it, typically starting pitching goes higher in ESPN. I think relief pitchers go higher in ESPN if I'm remembering the trends correctly from year to year, but this year, obviously, I, I expect it to be fixed at some point. Hopefully, if you go into an ESPN room right now, they have changed this stuff, but we did a mock six days ago, and it was the exact same. So, maybe in March, they're switching it. I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for MLB to have an agreement to put some respect on fantasy baseball, but it is completely disrespected as of right now. Yeah, NFBC made their changes in, I think it took them like a month and a half, but like for that first month and a half of drafting on NFBC, the rankings that were in there, you just, Kevin, do you know where they came from? Because I think I don't think around. anybody ever did figure them out for sure, but that was a big topic of conversation. Everybody was talking about it. They what, we couldn't even figure out what they were trying to resemble for their default <laughs> rankings. Uh, when, Obviously, they're not based on ADP. They don't even have ADP listed right. in the draft room for the first like month and a half. But then they finally updated the rankings. And it, re it really it looked like they basically just updated the rankings based on what ADP was at the mm -hmm. time of the update. So if you look, if you go into a draft room right now, if you're near TGFBI draft room, the ADP and the rank are like within one or point something of each other in most instances. So Obviously, they're just populating that based on popular opinion of all their drafts. And I think we say it all the time when I think a lot of people quote NFBC ADP, whether in their tweets or on their podcasts or in their articles that they're writing. Obviously, they're, it's really important to filter out what ADP you're actually talking about. If you look at the general ADP in the draft room, that's every single league that's happened since October 1st through today. And so... Whether that's including best balls, which obviously are points based, that's including draft and holds, that's including 12 teamers, 15 teamers, fab leagues, what have you. And as we're about to talk about, it includes picks that happened in October compared to those same players getting drafted at a different spot in February. And so really important to filter out where you're getting your ADP, whether you're on ESPN, Yahoo. I'm not sure how, how easy it is to filter out ADP on many other formats. I know that Fantasy Pros does the aggregate of multiple sites, which is nice to get an aggregate, if you will. But even so, like that's even more just not so much, not so accurate based on what you're trying to, what you're trying to. And 
I keep picking on ESPN and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I, I feel if you're adding ESPN ADPs in right now, I, it's just screwing with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, it is not great. And that's the, uh, I actually just sent you the show sheet, Adam, that I'm using for tomorrow's show on ITL, where I'm going to do, we do a ranks analysis where everyone's ranked in the room. We're going to do another one called ADP analysis this year, where we look at the ADP among different sites and look where, you know, the Yahoo, the Fantasy Pros and the ESPN and where they're all different. And obviously my ESPN page has the most on it. It's crazy how people just draft based on ADP too. So you can, I have leagues in, on four different formats. And I know that in those, all the four different rooms, people will still be influenced by the ADP that they see. And you I think everybody is though. Yeah, when you get in that, if you be... don't put in your own rankings, you're going to be somewhat affected by, especially if it's quick picks, you're going to be somewhat affected by that ADP. It just happens. It's natural. All right, let's talk about ADP. Let's end our show off with some <laughs> ADP talk because everybody loves talking about it. I put together a, a bunch of players, uh, three hitters, three pitchers that are big droppers or big risers in ADP. And I'm using NFBC ADP. I used October and November draft champion leagues for the early ADP and then January and February draft champions leagues for these are 15 teamers draft and holds. So as I've noticed, the you know prospects and people that aren't quote you're not sure about playing time usually drop compared to a fab league. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Like Jeremy Pena's ADP in OCs is much higher compared to his draft champions ADP. So that's just a caveat there to throw out there. Disclaimer, if you will. So Kevin, I can get you guys to take on all these guys. Basically, I want to know what you guys think of the cost that these players are at and were compared to where they were and whether or not like you think it's justified, what do you think is causing it? Or some of them are more obvious than others. <laughs> so feel <laughs> free to be short or long in your answer based on what we already know. The three hitters that I've got here for the droppers, these guys that went really early in drafts in October, and November compared to where they're going more recently in January and February, Max Muncy going at 110 early on and his ADP recently has been closer to 176 had him go at pick 250 in a DC of mine right after the the interview came out of him talking <laughs> about his injury not coming to not getting any better. Nicky Lopez started off at 181 ADP and now he's roaming around 238 so about 50 picks later. And then Isaiah Falafel, and I know mm-hmm. I know how much Scott you guys love KF over IT. Just a like, troll sport. I had to include him. <laughs> two early on and then 350 more recently and we'll see if that changes with some recent news but Kevin start with you like of, of these three guys does any of them stand out the most i know you've you got plenty of shares of nikki lopez if i'm not mistaken i i do and in fact i was just looking because i i mentioned the first couple of drafts i do there is not adp and there's not projections in october i drafted him at 138 overall <laughs> obviously you do not have to do that and you didn't have to do it for very long but i did back in late october or early november i'm still drafting him especially where i can get him now in some spots a lot of people have a lot of questions about his playing time his spot in his line in the lineup the the royals crowded infield which i've talked about a lot but he is the guy that spot is secure in that infield in my opinion they have loved him since they drafted him they've loved him at every level of the minor leagues and the fact that he finally started hitting last year the way he did hit in the minors 
at every level has just shored up his spot. He is going to hit near the top of the lineup for the Royals and play as close to every day as anybody else on the team, in my opinion. And, and those are reasons that a lot of people are steering away from him because they don't believe that. I do. Max Muncy, you brought it up when he went 250 in one of your leagues. I grabbed him in a couple of drafts, not quite that late, but a little earlier. Now he's going in the early 100s again in a couple of recent drafts if you pull up his page. So uh, he hasn't been available where I'm comfortable taking him. And Kiner Falafa, I have Josh Young on so many of my teams. <laughs> no Kiner Falafa anywhere. And that's it. I wish it was the reverse at this point due to recent news, but it's one of the one of the drawbacks of drafting early, like I like to do. I thought I, thought I was in the same boat. I saw, I saw the news. I'm like, oh, man. Because I, 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 I drafted Kyle Seeger in a draft like a week prior to his retirement. And then obviously Young came, uh, Josh Young came out. And I was just like, oh, no. And I looked at my shares. And I'm like, oh, I only have them in three places. And one of them is a fab league. I don't feel so bad. <laughs> I can right. with yeah, that's. I, I would take that right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scott, talk to me about IKF. Is he somebody, he doesn't have catcher eligibility anymore. Um, like, is he yeah. somebody you think his ADP is going to swing back because of this news? Uh, I, I think for sure it is. Yeah. Josh Young being hurt and them saying, yeah, it's not great. It's a shoulder injury. It's going to be a while. It leaves the door open for him to start most of this year unless they sign someone else. Maybe Young gets healthy uh, a little bit before, but already having this injury before really uh, showing up it is rough too. IKF showed it last year. He played great defense. He could steal some bases. He's a valuable fantasy guy if he's out there playing, which is obviously the big question. So I'm in on IKF closer to that 250 than down to 350 where he was. So I actually have him exactly at 242. I think that's about a perfect spot for him now. Obviously, that is after the Josh Young injury. If Josh Young was not hurt, he'd probably a post 300 guy because now he's going to be probably on the back end of a platoon instead of the front end or a late defensive replacement type of guy, which is not something that we want on our fantasy teams, obviously. Yeah, I think I'm back in on IKF. And Nicky Lopez, I'm not sure where to put him. I have him around 250. Obviously, that's blasphemy to Kevin. But he's he's one of those guys, like you said, I think the big worry about him is the playing time. And it's because... Right now, if you go to Roster Resource and you look, and Bobby Witt is in the lineup, which we think he's going to be most of this year, if not from day one, then Mondesi slides over to DH. We know Salvi's going to get a lot of time at DH. So now it's, are they putting Mondesi at shortstop and benching Lopez on those days, or is Mondesi going to the bench and Lopez sticks? So that's where you land. I think my ranking is probably 50-50 on that. He's in the top 300, but he's not the front part of that. That could be wrong, but even if it is wrong, people are drafting Lopez for the stolen bases. You're not only getting stolen bases from him, but that is the main reason people are drafting him. So I think a lot of people see him as that one-trick pony, but he's also, he hit 300. He's going to score runs because Kevin said he's at the top of the lineup, so that might be something that I will readjust, especially if Montesi looks god-awful in the spring training Lopez provides way more safety for them at that spot so he's a guy that could definitely rise up boards yeah and they've already mentioned Kevin you can correct me but I don't expect Mondesi to be playing seven days a week either just the wasn't that from the owner though no that was from Dayton Moore and he said and he's going to play a lot of third base as well 
I, I think Nicky Lopez is the close to everyday shortstop. And if Mondesi's going to play a day at shortstop, then you, Whit Merrifield moves to right field's their weakest position right now. You move Merrifield out to right, you slide Lopez over to second. I think Lopez is in the lineup those days. Disrespect to Kyle Isbell. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Oliveris is due to play more than two days in a row. I'd like to see (laughs) Edwin Oliveris on the roster for longer than a week. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some of the pitchers that have dropped since October. Adam Wainwright, who obviously did what he did in 2021 was going at 161 maybe that's recency bias closer to the end of the season now going around 210 Jose Urquidy who made his his I guess not debut but his resurgence at the end very end of the season for the Astros who's going closer to 179 in October November and now has dropped down to 216 so another 35 points there and then Cal Quantrill at 225 early on in drafts now down 50 points to 275. It's got like of all of these of these three pitchers, like which one are you most like that's a weird question, but which one would you be most excited about the fact that their stock has dropped over the course? Of most time? excited, probably Arkady. Just a good team, decent pitcher, guy you're gonna probably get wins from is what you're looking at from him. So he's probably the guy that I'm most excited. I think with Wayne, it's just falling knife. Right. Like you don't want to be the guy holding the bag when he, father time creeps in and kicks him to the curb. So I think that's what it is with Cal Quantrill and Jose Arquiti. I think they're losing steam because of they're similar in the fact that career Sierra is not great. I know for Arquiti, it's four, three, nine, lower K percentage than most starters and projections didn't do those guys favors. And for Cal Quantrill specifically is nothing really pops on Savant. There's, there's nothing exciting about these guys. These guys are like, all right, you're back in rotations on decent teams. You're going to be low strikeouts, but you're going to provide me an okay ERA and whip. All right, that's fine. It's not, oh man, I got Jose Arquiti. I'm not like, you see all these posts for your TGFBI. You, once we get to Arquiti, nobody's going to be like, I got Arquiti. Very few. Maybe there are some. But these aren't just, they're not guys that are, you're excited to put on your team. You're putting them on your team because maybe you have other questions in the front end of your rotation. So you get some stability. So I think that's why these guys are dropping because they're just not buzzy names. Kevin, what's your thoughts on this trio? It It's more about who else I can get in the same range. It, it's not that I have anything against the, these guys listed. I, I think there's a spot for all of them. I don't think the draft cost right now is out of question. However, I'm drafting Alex Wood. I'm drafting John Means. I'm drafting Patrick Sandoval in this same range. So I, I have... Lots of teams with those other guys on it and very few with any of these. I've seen Wainwright drop so far. I don't have a number in front of me, but I've just seen his name at the top of that list for so long in some of these drafts. <laughs> it's just, I feel, I just feel bad. I just want to just click. Uh, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going to go. Don't say else. it too loud. He'll call in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I was drafting Urquidy probably closer to that 179, one, you know, 180, the top two, top 200 picks early on as well. And I, I kind of str- I started straying away from him throughout you know December and January, but I, I started noticing. And one of the main reasons I put him on this list is I started noticing he's dropping past 
you know, 200 on a regular basis. So I started picking him up more often in that range. So I like Urquidy of this bunch personally based on the range he's now currently going at. Now, if he were to jump back up, I might just tell myself, oh, I have enough shares. It's fine. I can move on to somebody else like Kevin, like you're mentioning, move on to some of the other players that are going in that same range. But I like Urquidy for the the ratio bumps, Scott, as you mentioned. I'm not drafting him. If I drafted a decent amount of strikeouts early on in my draft, Urquidy is somebody that I'm targeting to balance Safe. that out. Nice and safe. All right. So we got a couple of big risers um, ahead here. We'll Again, we'll start with the hitters, Kevin. And we got O'Neill Cruz. We've talked about a couple of times. He was started off in October, November around 266, moved down 60 points to he's averaging around 206 right now. C.S. Suzuki, who has not officially signed, but has basically announced that he will end up signing once the lockout is over and he's not going to go back. Or at least I think his NPN team has said they don't expect him back. He was going at 284 and now is averaging around 215. And Elias Diaz, catcher, was going around 296, jumped all the way up to 252. So he's leapfrogged a couple of catchers, at least catcher twos in those two catcher leagues. Are you, let me start with Suzuki. Are you on board with the increased price or are you going even further than that based on the fact that maybe there's not as much risk as we might've thought pre-lockout or what's your thoughts on Suzuki right now? I, I am really intrigued with Suzuki, especially when I see Tim McLeod tweet so many positive things about him. It, it's like, but Timmy knows I, all those guys for sure. Every time I go type in his name, because I think, oh, maybe is Suzuki still there? He was drafted three rounds earlier. He's just not available when I start thinking about him. Yeah. yeah. So Suzuki, I'm in between that current and older ADP, but it's just. It's not. It's the least surprising rise of any player, I think. The closer it comes to actually happening and the more positive things you hear about it, now, the more he's going to rise. I think that one's probably the least surprising of all three of these. Yeah, I think we talk about O'Neill Cruz and the fact that a lot of people have been saying we're literally drafting him on based on one batted ball event with that <laughs> 116 mile per hour uh, hit that he had at the end of last season in September. And I'm intrigued in Cruz, maybe not at 206. I'm more so at 266 where you felt like you're getting a steal at that. Oh, I can't believe nobody's in on him. Obviously, everybody figured that out pretty quickly. But like at 206, it's obviously too much of a risk in a draft and hold, maybe not so much in a fab league where you realize where he's actually going to play or not play. But if he does get that outfield eligibility, that is what he's been working on in Indianapolis, their AAA, their AAA facility, it would be nice to see him get that dual eligibility in most leagues. If it's Yahoo, he probably already has the outfield eligibility. And yeah, he looked some, at it one time, so yeah. he gets outfield. <laughs> he mentioned it one time to his coach. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, <laughs> And then Elias um, Diaz, I would like to bring up that because we've talked a little bit about talking a little bit more about some more, some shallower leagues out there and doing the, the fab article last season and looking at Yahoo leagues, he was almost always very highly available. This is a guy that if you're in a shallow league, even if it's a one catcher league, he's a top 10 catcher when they're playing at course. Watch that schedule, pick him up the week before and put him in your lineup unless you have Real Muto, Perez, or Will Smith. Like he he's that good when they're playing at Coors. I think this is an annual thing 
for the Colorado catcher as well. You get into actual real draft season and these two catcher drafts, it's just, I'm going to take whoever plus the Rockies catcher. That's <laughs> what it gets down to. It, it's funny, but I do think it's something that I'm guilty of it. Every I wanted David Dahl to be so good. I still want Garrett Hampson to be good. I'm still drafting him. So everyone is looking for that slight little tiny advantage and you get it from Colorado hitters sometimes. And I think it's just an annual event. Whoever the whoever is getting the majority of at-bats for uh, the Colorado Rockies is going to go higher in draft because they play for, I remember when Kurt Manwaring was going decently high in drafts. It just happens. Yeah. I think a big reason, I think that's probably the biggest reason again, his ADP has been rising based on the ADP I'm using. I'm using draft champions. So I'm using these draft and holds. So Kevin, to your point, it's like he could be a catcher three in some, on some teams and where teams were able to move him in or they plan to move him into the lineup when Colorado is playing at home and put him on the bench maybe for for somebody else who's going to get either more playing time or at least in a better uh, hitting environment. All right, and then we'll go with our last three pitchers. Scott, I'll get your take on these guys first. John Gray moved to Texas from Colorado, started off draft season at 298, jumped up 50 points to 247. Steven Matz signed, of course, in St. Louis, 301 starting ADP of back in October, November, and now he's sitting around 254. Then Alex Cobb, now in San Francisco, 325 to start, and then bumped all the way up to 238. So all these guys in new scenarios where they can make a little bit, maybe get new life, in a new location, which one of those do you, did you, do you think warrants the jump in ADP the most? John Gray, to me. Uh, I've got him higher than his ADP. I think everyone is excited to see him pitch anywhere but Colorado. And you move to Texas, and Texas is now a pitcher's ballpark in the new stadium. You go from the worst to one of the best, and he, you're just going to see that big jump. And we're all probably a little overexcited for him. He's probably going to be somewhere in the middle of that probably shouldn't have been going as low because people think about him probably shouldn't be going as high as he will get. I bet you he'll climb right up and bump against that top 200 by the time the the season starts here. But I, and I think the landing spot is what it is for all these guys. So Steven Matz now gets uh run support and good defense in St. Louis, Alex Cobb with the history of the giants turning those pitchers around that have been broken and turn them back into great starters or guys that never really got a shot into great starters. Now, I think it's landing spot for all three of these guys, but if I'm picking one, it's definitely John Gray. Yeah, I think that was probably the obvious one just based on the narrative, obviously, we get of pitchers in Colorado. The interesting thing about John Gray is, of course, he pitched better in Colorado than he did on the road last year with a you know 4.02 ERA um, at home in a 5.22 ERA on the road with basically the same amount of innings back and forth. But uh, Kevin, you talk about it. You talked about last season, how it's good to always look to try to grab Colorado as they're making the transition between being in Colorado and being on the road and then going back and then having to get used to that difference, whether it's pitchers or hitters, seeing the ball differently or throwing the ball differently. And so there could, there's going to be something that said about John Gray, not having to make that transition anymore. Not only is he in Texas, but he's out of the NL. He's, I haven't looked at the Rangers schedule, but I won't be surprised if they're not facing Colorado all season. And so he doesn't have to go into that kind of an environment and make that transition. He can get a more a smooth uh, transition from game to game, whether he's at home or away. Yeah, absolutely. And the he's, he's also a little older, I think, than people realize. We still think, uh, 
young John Gray. He's been in Colorado, and but his first contract he'll get out of there. He's 30 years old. And as we've talked on a couple of episodes, Rangers have a pretty good track record with veteran pitchers coming in there over the past several years. Lance Lynn, Gibson, yeah, Kyle Gibson. So I am really interested. I'm really interested to see what what happens with John Gray this season. The ballpark that Scott brought up, I, I, I think John Gray could be really good this year. Yeah, I think based on what we saw, in San Francisco over the last two years, especially with Kevin Gossman and what have you, Alex Cobb has got to be of interest to most people and going to be on this winning ball club, the opportunity to chip away at some wins. You don't chase wins until you have to, Kevin, and you almost always have to at some point. So <laughs> Cobb is somebody that I started looking at. I wish I started looking at him or took the chance on him early on based on where he could have gone before he signed. So I'd rather, much rather have paid the, the 300 price rather than the 240 price that he's on average going at now. But he's dropped a little lower than that in the last couple of drafts that I've seen. So I'm able to, I think I've got two or three shares of Cobb now. I'm happy with that. Um, I'm not like reaching out for him, but it is interesting to see what San Francisco can do in that situation. Nobody wants to talk about Steven Matz. I'm sorry. It's, Scott, Scott was spot on with that as well. Landing spot for all these guys. Yeah, that's a nice landing spot. So I, I think it's somebody that I probably should be paying more attention to than I am because he's somebody when it, when I hear Steven Matz, I'm like, eh, but pitching in St. Louis and they got a pretty good lineup. I, I probably should be taking a closer look than I have. And that infield shouldn't change too much. They might might they might get a prospect coming up. Nolan Gorman might come up, play second. Corners are pretty play. solid with Arnado oh, yeah. and Goldie. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty solid. Regardless of who's playing the middle of the infield. All right. Well, I think that's uh these are some good risers. Obviously, there's been some more. And I, I made sure not to list any relievers because that is just a whole different podcast. And so we'll move on from that. Kevin, I'm gonna give you the last words, the words of wisdom. Any added advice you might be able to give anybody as we head closer and closer to the heavy draft season it doesn't have anything to do with drafts or even fantasy baseball but there is baseball being played right now ncaa is playing baseball so we're gonna have a fantasy baseball season we just don't know when it's gonna start it's gonna end about the same time it always ends no matter when it starts so enjoy your drafts and enjoy some college baseball uh, for our live baseball because spring training games should be starting like today or tomorrow it on a normal schedule the actual games but there's games being played it's because i'm not there kevin because i moved from arizona they canceled spring training in my honor i have abilene christian university is here five minutes from my house and they have some really good programs coming in and, and they've been a good program the last few years but they have texas tech coming to town baylor coming to town uh next week i already plan on going to that game tcu coming to town and so they're on weeknights, so I'm not going to see those visiting teams, Big 12 schools, top three pitchers that are starting on their weekend series. But I'm, I'm going to go see some good baseball. There's going to be that college baseball tournament in Minute Maid this weekend, and I'm like 45 minutes from Houston, so I think I'm going to go down there and see nice. some of that too. Yeah, very nice. Nice. Well, yeah, you guys are both in Texas now, and you guys are both doing the uh, the Earth League that is expanding in Texas. Is that, that's right. That's right. Yep. You guys have a go draft. to Austin, get some barbecue. It's going to be a great Austin. time. Yep. Yeah. That is, I'm jealous. I'm for it. Uh, I yeah. haven't done a live draft with people in years. <laughs> Obviously, n- none since COVID, but it's been years. It's been all computer for me. So I'm excited to do a uh, live draft and smack talk with people 
at the draft room. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And fairly soon, right? I think we decided on like the weekend of March 12th or something like that. Yeah, March 12th uh, is going to be the date. So I will see you there, Kevin. That's going to be fun. Can't wait. March 12th. Also, the Glarf, uh, the Glarf draft is uh, the Great Lakes region <laughs> draft is on March 12th in Chicago as well. And so it sounds like I think the turf one is later on in the month. But it'll be nice to see if a lot of the Earth Leagues could do their drafts at the same time. And since they're live with a you know shortened clock, maybe not a 30-second <laughs> clock, Scott, but it'll be shorter than this four-hour clock that we're all working with in TGFBI, that's for sure. Imagine doing a four a slow draft in person. That would that'd be interesting. Nothing would get done ever. I think that is probably going to do it for Scott. Thank you so much, man, for for joining us. Could you remind everybody? Not maybe not everything you do because we'd be here for a while, <laughs> uh, but some of the stuff that they should be keeping an eye out for and where they can follow you the easiest. I appreciate that. Look, if you want to find all my stuff, you can go to my Twitter at Bogman Sports. I tweet all of it. But uh, yeah, you can hear me talking about baseball twice a week with the Welsh over on In This League. Just any podcast app that you do uh, in this league, fantasy baseball should pop up for you. And I'm over at Fantasy Pros doing some football right now. I'm hosting their uh, Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast. So if y'all are football fans, please check that out as well. I have do baseball, football, college football over at In This League. Sports Grin, I'm on there as well. Fantasy Pros, Line Star, CFP Winning Edge, all that stuff. So. I'm trying to keep it short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And make sure you guys are looking up in this league and consider joining the army. If you haven't already spend some Please. time over there at their Patreon, that's literally all of your content goes through. And so uh, whether you're listening to Scott or in, in the Welsh, or if you you know, looking at the rankings and what have you, you need to go through their Patreon. So check that out. Five bucks get you the Welsh's minor league baseball rankings right there, man. 500 guys. I He gets annoyed when I ask him what's the difference between 426 and 500. They're there. All right. Thanks, man, again for joining us here. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for episode 49 of On The Wire. Please make sure to subscribe, share, and review the podcast wherever you're listening, even if your review is just a general tweet and not a specific platform. Uh, it still goes a long way to let us know what you think. And we see that a lot sooner and earlier than if you actually give us a review. But they, it goes a lot it goes a long way to like help get the show out there and get everybody else excited about it. So I appreciate that. Make sure you're listening to all the other great podcasts on the Pitcher List Podcast Network by following at Pitcher List Pods on Twitter for updates and subscribing to both the Pitcher List Fantasy Baseball Podcast feed and the new Pitcher List General Baseball Podcast feed as well for all of our non-fantasy related podcasts. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasting Kevin. And once again, thanks again for our guest, Scott Bogman. He is at Bogman Sports. On behalf of Kevin Hasting, I am Adam Howe. With that, we bid you goodbye.